Hi, this is Carrie Ann Reed Brown, and this is Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. And as always, I'm excited that you're listening. My guest today is Monique Russell. Monique, welcome to the Carry On Friends family. How are you this morning? I am fabulous. Thank you for having me on the show, Carrie Ann. Ah, glad that you are here. So why don't you tell the people and the community a little bit about who you are, Caribbean country you represent and all that good stuff. Okay, sure. So I am from the beautiful islands of the Bahamas and Mm -hmm. also Nigeria. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. These days I go by an executive communications coach, professional speaker, corporate trainer, focusing on communication skills Mm -hmm. and leadership skills. So pretty much Anything that you need to have a positive and productive relationship, I help individuals and teams learn how to use communication tools effectively. So that sounds like a lot of interesting work that you're doing. And, you know, a lot of people talk about communications, you know, tools, communication coach. What exactly First of all, tell me why you chose to do this as, um, you know, a career profession and then just kind of break that down because, you know, coach, you know, or skills or how do you work with companies specifically and within those organization teams, the teams to help them with the the tool, the communications tools that you said that give them a positive and productive re- um, relationship. So the first question, how did you get to be involved in this? What was, what led you to do this work? Okay. So I would say that this profession sort of chose me, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, Ever since I was a little girl, when I was five years old, I started speaking. I started getting on stage, working in plays. And, you know, I just loved that whole aspect of performing. I would read in church. And, you know, I think that when I started, and I can only say this now in retrospect. So obviously when it was happening, I didn't know this is where I would land or this is what I would be doing because we evolve. But I left the islands. I went to school to study uh, communications with the idea that I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be investigating stories. I went into broadcast journalism and I continued to get my graduate degrees also in communications, but different aspects in marketing and in public relations. And Carrie Ann, let me tell you, I think I applied to over 100 jobs. I thought that all I needed to do was get my credentials and that was it. I would be set, life would be grand, but I'm sorry to say it didn't work out that way. It was hard for me to break in. And then the opportunities that did come across my way, they were like $12,000 a year. And hello, I had student loans. Um, I also had my first child at that time. And I had to take care of responsibilities. So throughout the whole journey of life, I just started where I could get in. And I started in executive support. I didn't want to be there. I was like, this is where I, this is not what I went to school for. Um, I was just going to be in here temporary and jump out. But throughout that whole process, what I realized was that was sort of my hands-on practical training, because when you in executive support, nobody considers you to be a threat, but you are able to see what works and what doesn't work as it relates to how leaders carry themselves and how they gain respect. 
And having that communications background, it was just a compliment because I wanted to be in everything anyway. I wanted to be in the know. I was often asked how to handle complex issues, employee engagement issues, and I loved it. So I would say that sort of was the foundational trajectory of what I was doing. And and then I started freelancing on the side. So I freelanced on the side. I was doing everything and anything under the sun. If it looked and smelt like communications, editing, writing, PR, whatever, I was doing it. And what I learned from that experience was that I there were some things that I liked and some things that I didn't like. And, and only, I would say, within recent years where I started getting coaching and started investing in myself and in going to therapy that I was able to see why I was so passionate about helping people have positive and productive relationships, not just at work, but at home, because I would see the challenges of the home life come in and spill into the workplace. And I would be sitting there in in Cubicleville, thinking about all the trainings that I could put people through that would help them while I was doing my work. So it just was something that was birthed through my experiences. But now where I focus primarily, because I was able to be blessed to have more clarity on why I'm doing what I'm doing and who I'm supposed to help and why I'm supposed to serve, which ultimately is the family unit. Um, When you look at the grand scheme of things, the family is our foundation. The family is our springboard and our families are made up of many different, you know, many different ways. But in terms of a healthy society, the family is where it starts. And so people always ask me, why do you want to help families so much? Why, 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 why? Um, and I just thought that this was part of what I wanted to do when I left. I was like, this is this is communications. This is what I study. This is what I want to do. This is what I love to do, um, bringing out the truth, investigating stories. But it wasn't until I went through my own process that I was forced to examine my own life and sort of connect the dots between my purpose work or what I'm doing and how it connected to me personally when I was growing up. So, you know, I didn't feel like I fit in. I was in the home with my mom, my stepdad, and my brothers. And we have different uh, dads. I didn't meet my biological dad until I was eight. And that's a whole different story. But pretty much I started to examine my own life in different areas throughout my life's journey to say, wow, this is why I am so passionate about making sure that we have the right tools, the communications tools, so that we could have good relationships, not just at work, but also at home, because they both coincide. We just don't take, um, you know, we don't wear a jacket or we don't wear a, a hat that says, okay, this is my home life. This is my professional life. We can separate some things, but ultimately we are the same person. We're just one person and we carry those things over into each um, area or each quadrant. So these days, what I do in terms of corporate work is I I do group trainings. I do corporate training workshops that focus on things like emotional intelligence. I did a summit uh, last weekend, weekend before last on, it was a diversity summit where we spoke about taking the blinders off and having emotional intelligence for the practical leader. And the other night I did a training as well for 
women, business women, corporate women, helping them to discover who they are internally, you know, maximizing their negotiation strategies by building their internal confidence. So confidence building skills for professional women. And then of course, the public speaking aspect and presentation skills. I always love using public speaking as a tool to help individuals enhance their self-awareness because I go deeper. I don't just say, okay, we're just going to do this outline or we're going to figure out on how to say it. But I use it from a holistic aspect where once you're done with that process, you learn about yourself, but then you also have the skills for the rest of your life when you are listening and paying attention to what's being said and not being said and how you're going to respond, not just in your professional arena, but also on the home front. Wow. All right. You said a lot and I was taking notes because I wanted you to finish your thought. So first comment, we have some things in common in terms of growing up and um, growing up, um, I spent a lot of time on my, my performances were always in church. So I was Sunday school teacher for most of my life at <laughs> church. And every event they had a church back in Jamaica, I was there. I had to read some poem. I had to do something. So, you, mm -hmm. you know, I, I recognized later in life that my grandmother used where she had access and opportunity to, to, to give me uh, a way to learn whatever she saw in me to learn. So public speaking or, you know, all those things happened in church for me. So, and, but you don't recognize that's what they're doing mm -hmm. yeah. until later. But back then it was just like, why every, why every I have time, to go to church? Yeah. Why I have to go up there every time? Why somebody else can't do it, right? So that was always my, in my head, because you cannot dare say this Never. out loud, right? And um, the other thing I learned from that experience, which I've, I've really appreciated late in life, especially as I went through, you know, the grieving process for my grandmother was, you know, someone said, boy, you know, Carrie, I love talking to you because even though, you know, I have this thing like believe those who believe in you. And that really came from my grandmother. And people said, well, is she your grandmother? And of course, she's going to believe in you. And I said, well, the, what I learned from the strictness of Caribbean parents is I didn't want to go up on stage. I didn't want to be doing administrative work at Sunday school. I didn't want to be teaching Sunday school, but I dare not tell her that. Mm. That's one, right? And some people might say, well, she wasn't allowing you to express how you felt, but this is just how I processed how she taught me. Two, I realized that even though I didn't want to do it, I better do it to the best of my ability, mm. right? So, so, so I learned to lean in that even though I didn't see it for myself, I leaned in and did the best that I could, even though I was like, I'm just doing this because grandma said to do it. And if even if I don't want to do it, I better do it the way that she know I can mm -hmm. do it. You, you know what I mean? So leaning into and over time, I, I feel I realize this. So I'm re I didn't realize this when I was five, six. I realized this closer to, you know, the, the past two years or so, like grieving her. That even though someone says, you know, Karen, I think you should be doing this. And I'm like, I don't really see it. And if it's something that I feel like, you know what? It may they it may be a possibility. I lean into it and I'll try to do it, doubting it all the way, but I'm still gonna try to give it my best. So I thought when you said that, I thought it was very interesting how, you know, as Caribbean people, church is where a lot of us hone or the the skills that we mm. now have. So 
So, so that was very interesting that you say that we should probably do like figure out a little deeper the role church plays in the other skills we mm-hmm. develop over life over time. Um, the second thing that you said, which is very interesting, was start where I can get in, right? And it's 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 really the managing of expectations because I really want to focus on the professional life. And we're we're gonna come back to this, but I just want to highlight where you said that start where I can get in. Because you went to school, you got all this degree, you got everything, and you can find what you needed. And I've said this on the show, I've had guests on the show. There's nothing wrong with education as a people, we love it. But I think in today's changing society. We have to start where we can get in and not always think that going back to school, unless you're a doctor or you're in the finance industry, you know, you have to get in somewhere and start. And it may not be what you thought it was going to look like in college, but I like that. So we're going to get back to that. And the other theme I was picking up from everything that you said, communication starts at home. So let's start there because you, you, you you're saying that home is the foundation and communication starts at home. And then this is probably how some of us show up at work, but here's, here's what someone's thinking. We have good communication at work is the stupid people at work. Don't know how to communicate. Right. So I have mm. good brought up. See, I have good communication. I can't fix the people at work. It's so it's like the analogy. Everybody else is a bad driver. Oh You're not gosh. the bad driver. It's you hit on else. so many things right now, Carrie. And it's like I don't even know which which one to go through, but um so many aspects. So first Pick of one. all, I mean, yes, sometimes we think we have it all down packed. We are the ones that, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have the problem. And that's the biggest myth. Like that, that is a challenge for us. And I think even from just being a diaspora a person, there's a challenge. There's this mindset too, that it's us versus them and we're better and they're, they're not, and we're right and they're wrong. And then that type of thinking and that type of mindset will never get you what you need to get, especially if you want to move up in your company or if you want to get a promotion, because uh, a lot of times I have people who tell me they want to get a promotion and we're working through things, but they don't like people. They don't like people. They don't want to connect with folks. They don't want to hang out outside of work, but they they want a promotion because they deserve it. No, you don't want a promotion. You just want the extra money. So you need to start a side hustle. You have to understand how you're. Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Come. Let me, let me stop right there. So, okay. You said something that I said to somebody the other day that there are a lot of people who are managers, but managers inherent is people management. And a lot of people aren't prepared to manage people. And you just said, people want a promotion, but they don't like people or want to manage people. They just want more money. So if you want a promotion, which is technically, you just want more money, start a side hustle. That's it. That's it. Then you could run on your own terms and you could get the extra income that you're looking for because you can't do this thing without people development and people management. You cannot if you're trying to move up. So again, sorry, mm-hmm. if you want to move up in your company, if you want to get, be a manager or you want to be next level, you want, if, if even if you're not a manager, but if you're a salesperson level one and salesperson level two, any level you move up, even if it's still there. So 
people development is inherent in any kind of promotion. And if you don't want to develop, interact with people or can't bother with people, you, I don't want to say, and this is the tricky part. You, you can get the promotion, but it may not work out Mm -hmm. because then, then you're going to have to be dealing with people. And when you start dealing with people and people start complaining that they don't like you, then you're going to run into problems mm-hmm. because you don't like people. Mm-hmm. So in inherent in any promotion, there has to be some people development, Lord. <laughs> and then let's just keep it real. Like you said, things are changing. The whole workplace is changing and people are having new levels of expectations. And if they don't like you, they will leave. You know, CEOs are having challenges attracting and retaining talent. And that's going to continue, especially with the pace of the gig economy and things, you know, new new areas of work that we don't even know that are going to be around in the next few years. Mm-hmm. So if you are not in that space of be- developing yourself, you will struggle. And it's not just the thing where you'll struggle with um, others interpersonally, but you're going to struggle with yourself. And you don't want to put yourself under that type of stress because you know what's going to happen in the body. You're going to be having all of these ailments. And that's just not the type of life that you're thinking that you want or you desire because it gets old really quick. Okay. All right. So we're going to go back because, oof, jeez. All right. So we're going to go back to communication starts at home. So, you know, the first thing we talked about, we get here, we got here was like, well, you know, I have great conversations with my family. It's just when I get to work, those people don't communicate well. So essentially, even if my coworkers or your, anybody else's coworkers aren't the best communication, we still have to do our, a, a, a good job to make sure that we're communicating with them to get our message across or to get whatever needs to happen, whether or not they're good communicators Mm. or not. So we still have to have tools to communicate regardless if they're bad communicators. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what, why does it start at home? What do we do at home or what, what are we doing or what are we not doing at home that flows into work? Because you're saying home is the foundation and a lot of that flows into work. So when I say that, I mean, when we and I'm a mom, so I have two boys. And when we when I was growing up, um, my mom, she was very strict, by the way. So she would be around the house and she would be listening to all of these tapes and, you know, on the radio, turning the dial, listening to things like um, Earl Nightingale and uh, on the health side, Jesse Brinkleone. But listen, she wasn't telling me that I need to sit down and listen to it. She was she was just listening to it on her own. She was developing herself. And back then, I didn't know. I just thought she was just listening to some old people, old men on the radio. And she was just, you know, to me, it just was, it seemed dull. It seemed boring. But in later years, I realized that I was actually being exposed to the way she was developing herself. And some of those seeds were being dropped into me as well. And then the way that she approached our conversations, it it was like she allowed us to have a voice and we were able to sit down and have uh, conversations and share. Even though she was strict, she would allow us to have conversations and share. But she it wasn't like she said, this is how you need to be as an individual. So what I observed, I was observing her and then I was absorbing 
what she was doing and how she was raising me at the time. And a lot of times we take what we learn and we hear all these stories. We just, we grow up with stories in the islands you grow up. You're not supposed to backtalk. You're not supposed to have any uh, idea on, you know, anything unless you're asked. You just do what you're told. There's a lot of stories, even around mental health. And, you know, you you choose to go to, to a coach or a therapist and they call you crazy or you're mad or, you know, she cuckoo or something like that. So there's a lot of stories that we hear, that we hear from our parents, our aunties, uncles, grandmothers and whoever that we carry in our mind that we're just, they're, they're underneath the radar of our conscious awareness. And we don't know that they're influencing how we behave. So you might, you might make your rice the same way your mom made the rice. And she may not have to- told you that's how to make the rice, but you just saw her do that and you picked it up. Mm-hmm. Or there could be other things where you're just picking up subconsciously, or you may say, I don't like the way my parents did stuff, so I'm going to make a conscious effort to do things differently. That also impacts what we're, what we're doing or what we learn at home. And then when we move into the whole workplace space, especially from a communication standpoint, if you haven't been exposed to having open conversations and you are you are having this mindset that there's this hierarchy and you're just supposed to do what you're told i mean we have this whole notion that children are supposed to just listen they're not supposed to have any idea or or we can't apologize actually i'll tell you something what happened to me carrie my 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 oldest son he's in college and he he bought a cup he bought a cup for my youngest son, who's 13 now, and he gave it to him. And one day I was getting ready to go out. It must have been a weekend, I think, and I needed to make my tea. It's a, one of those nice little mugs. And I made my tea and I put it inside the cup and I was getting ready to go. That's it. And my youngest son, he's 13. He was like, why are you using my cup? And that's my cup. And I was like, cup, this is my house. You know, you you don't have any cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you don't have any mm-hmm. cup in here. Mm-hmm. You know that type of thinking just automatically came up, and so we had a disagreement. And I and I left with the cup. You know, I left with the cup. And later on, I was talking to my mom, and I was like, "You believe, you believe what this boy said?" Blah 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 blah. And she said, "You know what? You need to apologize." I said, "What? Mm. Apologize?" Mm-mm. And so we talked it through. And she said, you know, that cup has sentimental value that his brother gave him. Mm-hmm. And so you have to think about, you know, what message you're sending when you tell him, even though that's your house, even though you are, you know, the parent or whatever have you, you have to think about the message that you're sending to him and then you need to make it right. Mm-hmm. And you know what I did? I went and I said, you know what, Daniel? I said the other day, we had a disagreement and you talked to me about your cup and I want to let you know that I took the wrong approach. You're right. This cup means something to you. And how would you feel? How would you feel if I asked you if I was going to use your cup? Would that be something that you would be okay with? He was like, no problem. Mommy, you could use the cup anytime. No problem. (laughs) You know? And so something as small as that, something as simple as that, you know, it's like, 
we have to prepare them. We have to start to model for them what we want them to be when they grow up as leaders, as individuals, because if they're only doing what they're told and they're only listening and they're not not sharing their true feelings, how are you going to expect them to get into the workplace and now they have some issue mm-hmm. with a colleague or a peer or a manager? Can't deal with it. They can't. They, can't yeah. they, they haven't had the practice, just like yeah. the fire drill, stop, drop, yeah. roll. We yeah. haven't had the practice or the exposure. Yeah. And then that's the same way with um with your re- relationships, your intimate personal relationships. There's a lot of unlearning and un un uh new ways of thinking that we have to embrace if we want to move up in life and achieve what we consider to be our own versions of success. Yeah. You know what you're talking about, you know, I've 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 talked about in various episodes and over time where, you know, or from a career perspective, I I, I and I and the reason why I told the story about my grandmother is, you know, she was strict. It's not that I couldn't say, Grandma, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it or anything, um, because the truth is, I probably could have said it. Maybe lost a tooth or two, but <laughs> but when if I was really honest about it, I was enjoying it. I, I was spending time with friends. Did it get exhausting at times because it didn't, you, you, you felt like you had more responsibility than your friends? Yes. But I think the, the, the challenge we have culturally is that exactly what you said, when we go to work, it's very hard to show up because we were trained to respect authority in a particular way and respect authority meant that you couldn't challenge, um, if there was something that was wrong. Or, you know, we will talk about our friends, Monique. They ask me something. I may say, oh, this makes sense, blah, blah, blah. So I'm telling you what I'm seeing is wrong, you know, is a, is questionable in a scenario. And when that thing happened, Monique, you see, you know, sister, me tell her, yes, I told Monique, but me never, I didn't voice, I didn't voice that opinion uh-huh. with uh, the rest of the team. So no one then knows my potential or no one will ever bring me into a room to have a conversation so I could give them another perspective because I'm only sharing my perspective with Monique. I'm not sharing it with the rest of the team because we've, you know, and this is not everyone, but for the most part, there are similarities, not just in the Caribbean diaspora, but the African diaspora. Definitely. Definitely. Where, where it's, this is just how we show up at work sometimes. And there are exceptions, but it's the most of the time that's what happened and it affects the way we get our promotions and um how we communicate with our team members the level of frustration that we have and then it makes it hard it it makes it very frustrating in our work life Mm -hmm. because then the, the the thing that i struggled with which started carry on friends and there was no one i could not find anyone that was saying this clearly the, the level of, and I've been seeing a lot, the level of social, the, the re, this requirement to be nice at work. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically, somebody was like, I was mean. I was like, I don't even talk to you. So how am I mean? And I, and, and I didn't talk to her because I didn't like her, you know, other than saying good morning or hello, there was no other reason for me to communicate with her because we weren't on the same team. And when we did speak, I thought I was cordial. I had discussions, but w- the challenge we have culturally, we don't know how to be strategic 
at the time when other people have agendas at work. We don't like to play the fake game and the game at work. And that is kind of where culturally the challenges are. We don't want to play the game because there's a game that's played at work. Mm -hmm. We don't want to play the game. And because we don't want to play the game, we're off to the side. And then I recently read this article that, you know, black women aren't allowed to be introverts. As much as I have the show, I'm an introvert. I, for, if, if I'm not having a conversation with you, I'm for the most part, very quiet, just focus on doing my work. And if I'm not saying, yes, girl, or talking about honey, it's almost like I'm not showing up as the black woman that they're seeing on TV in girlfriends or whatever. They, they have the stereotype of what we should be like in the office. And so these conversations are happening we're in what, 2019, um, a whole five years after I had that experience at work, you know? So what happened to people five years ago and even before that who were struggling? And so these are like very important conversations to have when it comes to communication because it, people quit work they because they're like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. It's too stressful. This is why a lot of, you know, the, the largest segment of entrepreneurial aspirations are black women. And that's the largest growing segment of entrepreneurs because they are, you know, we, we have legit struggles in corporate America. And there's this, I don't want to say undo, but there's this high requirement on socialization at work. It's all, you're, you're getting reviewed as how well you socialize with others as opposed to how well you do your work. So where's the balance mm. in all of this? And how do we... So going to communication, how do we communicate with our team in a way that is authentic to us? We are telling the team what we need. And, you know, let's jump to the other thing you said, emotional intelligence. What role now does emotional intelligence play in communications? But first, define what it is and then how it plays a role in our communications at home and at work. Mm, okay. So, so much, so much said here, Carrie Ann. This is very, very deep. So emotional intelligence in a nutshell is your, your, your ability to identify your emotions and manage them accordingly, sort of in the moment. But there's four components, your self-awareness, your self-management, your social skills, and your relationship management. And pretty much your self-awareness is how you, your strengths, your weaknesses, how you get along with others, your energy cycles. We have energy cycles, your triggers, your coping mechanisms. Self-management includes the coping mechanisms as well. So, you know, if you're triggered by something or even understanding your stories, how are you going to shift your thinking from negative to a positive one? Something that might happen to you at work, you might be ruminating and thinking about it for a week, but as you strengthen your awareness and your self-management ability, it may not take you out for a week. It may take you out for two days, or it might you know, bother you for an hour, or it might bother you for five minutes. That's when you're starting to develop this almost in the moment type of shift with your thinking. And then your social skills, of course, you know, how you're getting along with others, how you're reading. Most people want to start there. They just want to start there. How do I get them to listen to me? How do I get them to uh, include me? How do I get them to, you know, respect me? How do I speak with authority and lead with executive presence? All of that, people love to jump right there. They go to social skills, relationship management, but you cannot get there effectively without focusing on your self-awareness and understanding yourself. So when you understand yourself, I mean, at the very, very core, you're already opening up yourself to understand other people. 
I mean, we have blind spots and some people blind spots are so big that they just blind, straight up blind. And they, Hmm. everybody is out to get them. So I say in the workplace, it is absolutely essential. And if you don't have these skills, it's going to impede the way you connect with others. You'll be labeled inappropriately. You won't be able to connect and you won't be able to, you know, when you when you work on yourself, everybody around you wins. Your, your team wins, your children win, you know, your parents win. Everybody around you can experience something different because you're growing and working on yourself. When I worked with, I had a client who, you know, sort of the similar thing, you know, you, you, we have stories and we have beliefs. So if you're walking into your environment that you're already in the losing position because you're a black woman or you're a black person, you're already going in with a different story. And so your, your brain is going to look for confirmation of what you think. And sometimes we can't really tell I had a situation where um, there was there was an alterca- altercation, verbal altercation, and you know she felt like this was just because I was a black woman. But when we later realized that this was characteristic of this individual, because it was done all across, you know, all across to everyone else, it changed the perspective. And that's not always the case, but sometimes it is. So I say. If you're going to make up a story, if you have an encounter with someone and you say, it's because I did this or I did that, and you don't know for sure, and you don't have the evidence, and you you just fill in the gaps or fill in the blank, fill in the blank with your own version, something that's going to empower you instead of holding you back. Because if you think that it's always something that's negative, then it will it will hold you back from actually moving forward. So you have to think about what is the other person thinking? What are they seeing? And the best way for you to begin to do that is by learning about yourself. You could start with assessments. You can do therapy. You can do coaching. A lot of times, especially in the Black community, these things are looked down upon negatively. Oh, I don't need coaching. I don't need therapy, blah, blah, blah. But if you really look at it, the things that are good for us, they're often positioned as wrong. They're often positioned as, um, you know, separate or or you you would be in an outcast category. But the truth is, they are secret tools to maximize your individual performance. And I know this to be true. And I know it even in 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 personal life. I'll tell you, I met my biological dad at eight, and. There were things that I expected or I wanted to connect with him, you know, daughter-dad relationship. And he's from Nigeria. I didn't know all about the culture. I still was trying to connect and fit in there. And all throughout my life, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I heard my dad say, I love you for the very first time. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He said he loved me. And the thing about it is, I had to get to a point of seeing him differently from what I expected from him as a father. And I was only able to see that when I started going deep within myself. And I started to look not only just at, oh, what what am I not having this connection with him, but looking at the behaviors and what sort of shaped those behaviors. And then you see that, okay, this is the way this individual 
shows love. This is the way this person expresses themselves. It doesn't have to be my way or the highway. And it just opens your mind to have more diverse approaches and more diverse thinking as you move throughout your days and as you move throughout your relationships with your friends, with your friends and also with your partner. You know, there's a theme that has been coming up. Um, I did an episode with a childhood friend of mine called Mark, and he was like, you have to know who you are in order to be confident or whatever that you have to have, like self-awareness, right? And so instead of communication starts at home, it's almost like emotional intelligence begins at home. And it's hard because we've spent most of our lives under the culture under which we grew up. So now it's it's not, it's we're exercising a muscle that is not natural to mm-hmm. most of us in terms of how we communicate how how we go deep and um, understand how we feel about a particular thing, what triggers us, you know, how do we react about certain things? So so that's one way. So when, when the, the the work of doing um, the self awareness um, and communications, because we could have a whole series on communication, our whole podcast dedicated to communication. And I think the one thing that I know from experience, it takes time and work. Mm-hmm. And we're in a society where we want instant results. So it's th- that's the challenging part about communication. And I think I, I don't know if you, from my experience, I should say because. Um, it's a trial and error in terms of what works with one person may not work with another person in the same company on the same team mm-hmm. and understanding that. And that could be culturally when, you know, our parents just issued one rule and everybody fall in line, brother and sister, everybody f- fell in line, you know, and we subconsciously make one communication and expect that everybody gets it. And while your Caribbean or African brother and sister at work gets it, your non-Caribbean or African brother or sister won't get it. So it's understanding that the things that we do, like you said, the things that we do at work are a lot of times unconsciously or subconscious from what we are learning at home or what we've learned at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. Definitely. So that is how communication starts at home because we take behaviors, whether, and you said something amazing, you observe and absorb. And we take that with us. And so our brain goes into autopilot because our brain is like, okay, cues, cues, cues. Oh, I know what this is. So autopilot. And then we subconsciously do the things that we've seen or have experienced and expect like, wait a minute, this is, I don't understand. How did they not get what I was trying to say? Um, So I'll give you a perfect example of that. So when I first came to this country, wee, 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 wee bit. I shouldn't say that. I was I was around 13, 14, and we were on um a trip. And um I remember the young lady very clearly. And something happened, and I told her, oh, oh. And she, you know, I said, Oh my god, oh. And then I just walked and did whatever. And at the end of the day, there was this big drama because she said I did something and then I didn't say sorry. And I said, <laughs> But I said sorry. I told her hush. Like, I don't <laughs> I mean, it's funny now, but I was like, you know, but I mean, literally when that incident happened, I was but a year in the country. So in my head, hush was 
you know, hush is a multi-purpose word, but in that context, it meant I'm sorry, right? Whereas for her, hush meant be quiet, mm-hmm. you know? So it was just like, no, I, I, you know, so there was a good thing was my Caribbean classmates, they understood. And then someone had to tell her and I had to say, I'm sorry. I hate it. Say, cause I was like all of this drama and she was <laughs> just emotional about it. But I, I, I had an adverse reaction to the whole thing. I said, you know, I, I, I have some brought up, you know, but it's like the, you know, at 14 versus where I am now is like that self-awareness to say how I communicate is not the way someone else might communicate. And I have to be clear, not in my language, but in a language that they understand. Mm. And we don't, we, like you said, we don't get to learn those tools. So what are some tools that people can, can, can just something really simple that can help people communicate a little better, or maybe, maybe become a bit more self-aware, um, about what they are doing or how they feel, because I think we might have to just do another show. No problem. Because I think this conversation was more about, we were on a lot of things. We were talking about communication starts at home, but then self um, emotional intelligence starts at home. We talked about self-awareness. We talk about wanting promotion and people development. We talk about so many layers that impact a professional and how do we dissect different all of these different areas that are really happening simultaneously. Um, so let's start with on this journey. Let's say we're starting. This is the first in maybe another journey. What's one tool that people can use to kind of work towards building their emotional intelligence muscle? So I I use a personality assessment in my practice called DISC. Ooh, I've done that. (laughs) Yes, but it so you know it was interesting. I did it. All right, so I'm a I'm an assessment junkie Mm. to the point, and I'm a nerd. I'll tell you how much of a nerd I am. So I have a little spreadsheet of all the assessments that I've taken. Some of them are paid, some of them are free, and then I create columns like so. Disc, um, career leader is one, and a few others. The date I took it. And, you know, try to pick out common themes mm-hmm. so I can line it up and see, ooh, here's the pattern here, right? Because in some way, so DISC is one, I went on a job interview in 2015 and the company right then and there, the, the owner was like, oh my gosh, I like you. I really want you to do, let's, he, he administered the DISC exam. Like he said, because everyone in the company had disc and you walk by people's cubicles, you saw their disc profile on the outside of their cubicles Nice, because then that should tell you how this person communicates. Right. So this was 2015. So that's how I got it done. I'm sure four years later, I've and I think that's the thing about these things because you've grown um, while I love personality um, or all these assessments. I always think that as you grow they kind of, they, they, you won't drastically shift, but you might find you go up in some, go down in others as you move through mm-hmm. life. But anyway, yeah. disc, yes, I'll tell you what my profile is after. <laughs> yeah. So, and I agree, I agree with you because here's the thing. I always tell people this, the assessments are the starting points. They're conversation pieces to help you get greater clarity about how you're wired to communicate and then give you clarity about how the people around you also communicate, but they're not the end all be all because they don't measure your values. They don't Mm -hmm. measure your motivations. You know, they don't measure your stressors. That's just one piece to the pie. But if 
we're talking about something practical that people can start with, then I would suggest that. And then also guided reflection. I mean, sometimes we move in so quickly and so fast that we don't really stop to think about how did my day go? Or you, hmm. you may be in a high um, positive emotional state at 11 a.m. And then 1.30, you feel like crap. Stop and think, okay, what happened? Who did I interact with? How did that make me feel? What did I say? What did I not say? Because a lot of times when we are working, we're just, we got to move to the next meeting, 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 or, or task. And then we leave and we start the whole thing over again with our families, but we don't really stop and think about what's going on. Was I hungry? Was I angry? Was I lonely? Was I tired? That's halt. You know, those are critical pieces in the whole emotional intelligence and self-awareness package, but I definitely can't go into a whole lot, but I would just leave with those two uh, starting points, guided reflection, just paying attention to some of your physiological states because your physiological state influences your emotional state. You hungry, you going into a big meeting and you have to do a presentation, trust me, something may, may tick you off very quickly or faster than if you went into there with a full stomach. Or if you're tired, oh my gosh, and you're trying to have a serious conversation, it's the wrong time. No. You know, when you said guided reflections, I was sitting here. So a few years ago, I did a carry on French journal and I'm like, I need to update it, but I have extras. And it was how to get people to write. I'm big on writing, right? So self-reflection is huge, huge. Like I journal almost every day. And there was a point in my life I stopped journaling because I was in the depths of my grief. So I couldn't even write, right? Even when that was probably the time I should have written. But, you know, during that time I had conversations and, you know, I had some like writing cues for people. And one of the things it was just like to begin writing or the reflection, what have I learned today? How can this help me grow? How will I apply this to my life? How will this help me in the future? Or maybe what is frustrating me right now? What triggered it? How will I address it? So I have a couple of these journals. I'm and um, if you're interested, um, send me an email, hello at carryonfriends.com and I'll give away uh, maybe two or three. Yes. So you guys can start the self-reflection that will help you be better communications, c communicators, because I think it's so important to, to you know, um, I don't want to say control our message, but be aware of what we are saying. And there are times when, you know, I was talking to a friend and, you know, uh, today's what? Yeah. Saturday. So it was Thursday. I w and, and I was telling her with social media, you know, um, and I'm not blaming social media because before social media, if I had an issue with Monique, right, to, in today's culture, if I have an issue with Monique, I'm going to go on Twitter and I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to go on Instagram and I'm just going to say some people don't Which know how rubbish. to do this, <laughs> right? Whereas, you know, before social media, you... I'm not saying you couldn't say some people, but Monique would almost always be in the vicinity, right? Because I wouldn't say it unless she's close by enough for me to say it because I want her to hear it. Versus when you do that in social media, you're kind of baiting a crowd. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, almost always I gave her the example, like if you saw somebody and you wanted to argue or fight, there's usually somebody who was like, come on, I'm a big woman now and figure it out. You know, like back in the Caribbean, you know, somebody's, you have some people who are egging on the fight and somebody's always like, no, you guys need mm-hmm. to sit down and talk about it, blah, blah, blah. In, in social media, it's very hard to hear that voice of reason in the crowd of people who say, do it, do it, do it, do it, fight, fight, mm-hmm. fight. You know, and, and, and a lot of times it's the unchecked emotions, the impulses that we have. And I feel like journaling, even though people say, I don't like to write, I think a journal is like, no one's checking your work. No one's checking your punctuation. No one's checking your spelling. You don't have to have pretty writing. You just have to get the emotions out. And however you get the emotions out is important in a, in a constructive way. So that's just my opinion on writing. I am big on journaling. I'm big on, if it's just a one line, I am upset because there are some days that my entries aren't four or five pages. It's just like, I'm so annoyed. I'm annoyed because X, Y, and Z. And I can't even write anymore the way how I'm annoyed. And that's it. You know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> we are so similar. We are so, I journal every day. Same here. Some days it's just two words. Some days it's 10 pages. Some words yes, it's just help. Yes, yes. And <laughs> and it's like, you know, it, it's it's this place to catch your thoughts in a way that, you know, sometimes you don't want to tell a friend because, you know, sometimes it's like, oh God, I don't feel like explaining it to you, right? So it's like, I look at the journal as a extension of myself. It's like, if I wanted to talk, I would be talking to myself through the journal. So I am happy to give away, I'll say three or four email, hello at carryonfriends.com to start the process of self-awareness and reflection, because I think it's so important. And, you know, even if you're going through therapy or you're considering therapy, you know, use it as an opportunity to write through the emotions of why or why not what's stopping you. Because I have other um, prompts in there, but I love prompts. I love prompts because (laughs) they get you thinking, you know, it's like- That's definitely, I love it too in it. And I totally agree with you. And that's an excellent, excellent resource for people to get started. I mean, so they, they could start with their assessments. They could start with the journal. And those are the beginning points. So when you talk about people going on social media and saying so-and-so or some people this and some people that, then that's another aspect of communication where you're talking about how to communicate assertively, mm-hmm. right? So you're you're in denial or you're avoiding or you're the humor person who always has to make a joke about when it's time to talk about something serious, serious. Mm-hmm. that those type of things come with additional training and awareness as well. But the start, the starting points, definitely, I would say, start with that journal, um, start with an assessment before in the workplace, bring in training solutions that actually address the issues, multicultural awareness trainings, so that you know that, okay, you have different people in your team. Let's learn how things are done in different areas. Um, Emotional intelligence training as well. Those things just help to bring awareness to the team because now we're learning together and we're growing together. It's not just one person. It's like, okay, we all now understand now this is why you act the way you act. All right. And so to wrap this up and bring it full circle, start where I can get in. Initially, we started that conversation based on profession. And, 
you know, finding the job. And where we've landed is start where I can get in, which is we're going to start with the journal. So if you're interested in the journal and I'm giving away three or four copies of the journal and you could email hello at carry on friends, or you could get the disc assessment. So that's starting where you can get in to start developing your emotional intelligence, building self-awareness. And that episode I did with Mark Um, a few episodes ago, it's like really knowing who you are and how that helps to, I don't want to say control your emotions, but that episode, he was more about like, I don't let certain things bother me. You know, like I don't, I don't beat my child and I'm not judging people who beat the child. He's just like, I know why I don't do it. I'm not going to judge you, but if you do it, Mm -hmm. I know why I don't do it. And that's a level of self-awareness that it's, it's personal to him because it's self-awareness, right? But you mm-hmm. have to be confident in who you are and what you're about. So even if somebody else isn't about that, it's not going to waver you very much because it's whatever it is, it's you know who you are. So that's interest. So, so, so that's starting where you can get in the journal or the disc assessment. Um, we initially said communication starts at home and that's because we observe and we absorb. And it now is emotional intelligence start at home. What we bring into work is based on what we've absorbed observed and absorbed at home and subconsciously, unconsciously bring some of these behaviors at work. And um, we have to, again, go back to being self-aware, managing, checking, are we perceptive of other people? Do we, are we aware, do we have the cultural intelligence, the multicultural intelligence? So we covered a lot here and not even touched really, you know, a good chunk of it. It's just really a tip. So I'm just kind of bringing everything full circle. And then I think the other thing that we touched on, which is important, is if you want to truly be a manager at work, stay at your company because you have no interest in starting a side hustle. Then you have to develop your people. You have to do people development. And people development starts with you. It don't start with developing other people because if you can't develop yourself, you can't develop other people because a lot of the coaching that happens is based on personal experiences. So even in this conversation, Monique and I are sharing our own personal journeys or or towards self-awareness. And we use those very stories to connect with the people who we are developing because there, I don't know if, if about you, money, but there's always a story that happened to us that we can pull it out when somebody having that similar yeah. experience. So if you're truly, and if you don't want people development, but you want more money, then a side hustle is for you, right? But if you truly want to stay at your company and be a manager, you, you have hopes of being the VP, CEO, or one day the owner, then you have to get into people development and people development starts with you. I don't think I'm missing anything else. I think I want to stop right here. So, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> Carrie had so much to unpack. I see why you don't have scripted questions because it just uncovers so yes, much. Yes. I, I think it's the beauty of a conversation where you are, um, I'm open to the possibilities of where the conversation goes. Right. And even in a previous episode that just got launched, I came in with, okay, I have this idea of this is where I want the conversation to go. And it was the first time I I thought I knew where the conversation, well, maybe not the first time, but it was like one of the first times I was very clear where I think this conversation is going to go based on what I thought I knew. And the conversation went a different way because I didn't know. And so it's always this place of, I don't have questions unless you're a doctor 
or you're in finance, I might have specific questions that require you to make sure that you're covering legal analysis in some way. But I think the beauty is uncovering what I don't know and asking questions that the audience can't get to ask because mm-hmm. I'm the one talking to you. So yes, I love it. And this is communication, the essence of it, right? Just kind of hearing what the person have to say, taking notes while you're talking, and then going back to these questions <laughs> to say, hmm, so you said this, let's unpack that. So I think it's, you know, what we do or what I do with you or what I love is just the possibility of being open no just being open to the possibilities of what blossoms from a conversation Mm -hmm. definitely definitely so i thank you for being on the show tell everyone where they could find you you can find me at clearcommunicationsolutions.com that's my website and i'm over the internet says clear communication coach so linkedin I play over there several times a week. So Claire Communication Coach, Monique Russell on LinkedIn. And I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Claire Communication Coach. Awesome. All right, Monique, this is not going to be the last time we hear from you. I am sure of it. So on, on t- like I like to say at the end of the show, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience. We post new episodes every two weeks. And if you want to learn more, buy merchandise or sign up for our newsletter, check out our website, carryonfriends.com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience, produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for our newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or... Find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.